chance to hear in depth from the announcements of the men's and women's whale squads in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Pivak says his coaches have been spreading the net far and wide ahead of picking that Six Nations squad. It's something we've looked long and hard at. The coaches have been out and about doing a lot of uh, miles and looking at other players, not just Wales, but outside. Wales women's captain Sean Lillycrap says there are reasons for the improvements made in the autumn series. Well, we sacrifice as players and the hard work and dedication we put in, but also the resources we have. Now we're part of the performance department in the WIU and everything that comes with that. While the new Wales women's sevens coach Ollie Phillips says Wales could have a few players in the rugby sevens at the Olympics this summer. Putting forward a few players that we think are potentially capable of going into that GB mixer and, and performing at Olympic Games. More to come on that later, but we'll start with Wayne Pivak announcing his squad for this season's Six Nations, with Wales starting, of course, as defending Grand Slam champions. He went through the thinking on a variety of areas, including the new names, such as a couple of backs from English clubs in Nick Tompkins and Louis Rees Samet. Yeah, obviously two very young players, both playing very well in the English Premiership, both Welsh qualified, and an opportunity for those guys to come into the squad and prove what they can do in and around the blokes that have been there for some time. I think the balance of the team looks uh, very, very exciting from our point of view. Uh, A lot of the World Cup squad there, a lot of last year's team that won the championship, so a lot of experience and youth with an eye to 2023. Bruce Summit certainly on the youth side of it. Uh, what have you made of his uh, attributes for Gloucester? Yeah, I'm always a great believer if you're good enough, you're old enough, and he's showing signs that he's maturing as a rugby player at a very young age. He's got gas, which, you know, at the top level of the game you can't beat, and he's a great finisher. He's not the finished product, as he knows and we know, but it'd be great to get him in the environment and, and start to work with him, and we believe he's got a big future in the game. And how do you see Nick Tompkins fitting into that uh, competition for the centre position, which is, I suppose, fair to say a bit of a headache, uh, given unavailability? Yeah, there's been a few injuries. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Davies has been a mainstay of the team for many, many years and is a world-class player, so you don't replace players like that overnight. So it's something we've looked long and hard at. The coaches have been out and about doing a lot of uh, miles and looking at other players outside of, not just Wales, but outside and, and conversations we've had with Nick and people at Saracens have all been very impressive, to be honest. Up front, Will Rowlands, I think, was a bit of a, uh, a shock for most of us. Tell us about him. Yeah, I've been watching him since 2015. It's not a shock to me. Stephen Jones came from Wasps. He knew him. He said there's a, a young rugby player there that's very big. He's athletic. He's an intelligent rugby player. And is Welsh qualified, so in my role at the Scarlets, twice we've tried to get him there and been unsuccessful. So at first opportunity here, we've, we've had a look at him, we've spoken to him, uh, I've met him a couple of times. He's very, very much looking forward to an opportunity to uh, hopefully play for Wales in the future. And, you know, he, he fits the profile of the second row we're looking for. We did a lot of homework on the Rugby World Cup that's just been. We looked at the All Blacks, South Africa, England, the sorts of type forwards that they have and how successful they've been. And, and we think... Um, he fits the profile of second row we're looking for. He's big, he's athletic, and he's an intelligent rugby player. And Will Griff, John, back in the Welsh fold after playing at under-20s? Yeah, he's had a journey, hasn't he, where he's gone from being a young loose forward, converted to the front row. He's a big man, powerful man. It's taken him a number of years to learn his craft, and I think at 26, just turned 27 in December. You know, he's uh, just coming close towards his prime, really, and, and I know the work that John Humphreys will do with him. Hopefully we're going to see a very, very good scrummaging uh, big man that can uh, can play the game. 
the injury to Thomas Francis, obviously, that uh, has meant we've had to look further afield. And obviously, we've got some players in Wales and, and Samson Lee who we know a lot about. So it's an opportunity to see what Will can offer. And how do you see uh, Reese Webb's challenge against the guys who have been in that uh, scrum half shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough on Allard. Um, I had a chat to Allard yesterday. We all have worked with Allard before and we know what he can and can't do. So it's an opportunity for a guy like Reese, who's played at the top level of the game, very experienced player to come in, for us to have a closer look at, at Reese in camp. And the other two that are there are obviously playing very, very well. So we're very blessed in nines, to be honest. Any players in that squad who won't be available or where he might not be available against Italy? Owen Motkin or anyone else? Yeah, there's a couple of players that are recovering from injury. The ones we have selected, uh, we believe will be available from round two onwards. Obviously some players like Reese Patchell who have picked up injuries that won't be available later on in the competition, so we'll just keep monitoring those guys as well. And how high should Welsh expectations be? Yeah, we've had a chat about that as a group. Last year's group won the championship, so we weren't part of that apart from Neil Jenkins. Uh, so really what we're doing is uh, going in with a view of uh, it's ours to win. Like every other team, we're going there to try to win the competition. We know it won't be easy, it'll be a big challenge, but one that we're thoroughly looking forward to. Is Italy first up a good fixture, one that you're expected to win, or a potential banana skin? Well, we look at it that um, the draw that we've got is there and it's in place. Italy, for us, uh, as a new group coming in, uh, is probably a very good fixture to have first up. You know, they've got a new coach coming in, so things are on an even keel there, really, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to hopefully put on a good performance, which is what it's all about. Really, regardless of the opposition first up at home, it's about the performance we put out. When you talked about your emotions in the first game against the Barbars, talk to me about how you're feeling about your first Six Nations. Uh, the competition's right up there as, as far as I'm concerned, outside of the Rugby World Cup, the best competition in the world. It's, it's got the history. Uh, you know, you've got your fans just across the border from each other and, and so you get that sort of 60-40, 70-30 crowd. Um, so it's always going to be um, a great environment to play rugby in. And uh, from a coaching point of view, for me, it's an honour and a privilege to be a part of it. And it's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Been looking forward to it for some time now, and it's just around the corner, so it's exciting times. Management team coming together. You know, a lot of our, our guys have been together sort of eight to 12 years. And for new coaches coming in, there was, it was a good betting in period. It was great to meet a lot of the players that we've coached against but haven't actually worked with. So to get to know them a bit better and, and put in some of the building blocks for the Six Nations. So very, very valuable exercise in hindsight and one we're grateful for. Sometimes there's been a lot of English-based players in the squad. There's been some issues in terms of the availability for some squad sessions, perhaps, and then returning to the clubs in the final week. I think you've gone for nine English-based players. Was that something you had to think about in looking at the overall balance and mix of the squad? Well, it's something you're aware of, but certainly no. We, we've looked at... Um, Selecting a squad that we think has an eye on obviously getting the job done in this campaign week by week, but also with an eye to 2023. So it's really about what's going to service those needs, and we think this group does that. Obviously, in some positions, hands been forced a little bit with injury, but that's just an opportunity for other players and for us to build the player pool. You know, we don't have the biggest number of players in world rugby to select from as a nation. So for us, looking within the rules, which is what we've done, um, we think we've come up with a, a reasonably balanced team. Oh, wait, in terms of uh, Tompkins, uh, how did you find out he was qualified? Well, I took notice of him first when he carved us up as a youngster at about 20 years of age in a um, Champions Cup match uh, against Saracens, and uh, I found out that he was grandparent eligible. I've been watching his career ever since, to be quite honest, and he's gone very, very well. 
So we've had a lot of contact with him in recent times and a young fellow that's come through, he's feeling really, really confident in his game at the moment. He's in a fantastic club uh, with some great players around him. So he's learned a lot in a short space of time. I think he's uh, more mature than his, than his age. When you speak to him, certainly you can have a fantastic rugby conversation. So I think there is a, an excellent rugby player there. And when you look at our centres and you look forward to the next World Cup, he fits the profile we're looking for to get the balance right in that midfield area. And Owen Watkin, we've got another young guy. So I think the future's looking pretty bright. And obviously we've got the experience around those two players. From his point of view, he's always known that he's had the ability to go either way. He's been living in that part of the world and he's gone through the age group program there. Uh, but in terms of committing to a national team, he's made that commitment now and we're very pleased that he has. And just re-exam it on a similar um, level, Eddie Jones was reportedly interested in him. Did that kind of accelerate your, your, your thinking of him, if you like? Not at all. You've just got to check his uh, social media page. There's a big Welsh flag there. I think he's uh, well and truly Welsh. And I think uh, having spoken to him, he's uh, over the moon. He loves playing rugby. He's at that age where it's just about playing. It's not about contracts. It's not about anything else. He, he just wants to play the game. He's enjoying his rugby and he's Welsh through and through. And in terms of somebody like Sam Davis playing regularly in form of the Browns, what's been the message for him missing out to a player such as Owen Williams based outside and then a similar situation with Scott Williams who's playing in Wales and Samson Lee in English-based basketball. What's, what's the general message to these Yeah, I made about nine phone calls last night, another one this morning and spoke to um, the individuals concerned. And, it's a clear message really, what we're looking for, the areas of their game that they need to be working on and the fact that the finish line hasn't approached for any of them. 2023 is what we're working towards and obviously we've got this campaign to deal with right now which is the focus so the fact that they haven't been named doesn't mean that they won't get game time in this competition because as we know there'll be injuries, these things happen so it's about working hard at their game in the areas that the coaches have asked them to and making sure that you know they put their best foot forward and put their hand up for selection going forward. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So, interesting to hear that in real detail. And we're going to do the same now with the Wales women's squad announcement. We'll hear from Sevens coach Ollie Phillips, Captain Sean and Lily Crap, and first coach Chris Horsman on the progress made in the autumn series. We've made real big strides forward and it was about where we go and how we move forward. So like there was a lot of long-term planning and looking at 2021 World Cup and integrating the exciting time of this sevens program being integrated into uh, what we're doing, which is really exciting. So we kind of looked at it and sort of planned backwards from sort of Commonwealth and, and 2021 and where the Six Nations fits in it. So the first thing for me, from a personal point of view, first time I've ever coached at a senior international Six Nations competition. So it was very much an ambition and a, and a goal of mine to be part of something like that. So really pleased that the working for the WRU has afforded me that. Hopefully a bit more successful as my uh, one as a player. <laughs> but again, so really looking forward to that. So with that in mind, we've reflected on how we've done things and, and the selection of the group and so on and so forth. The planning is, is, is all around that. And again, for myself and Geraint is actually, as, as we spoke at the end of the autumn campaign, was starting to see how we can do things from a female athlete centred point of view. You know, it's a really, really exciting thing. And the big thing for us we've talked about is on and off the field with the group and just the interest is just to build the momentum through the Six Nations. Sean, joy for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was an honour and privilege to have the opportunities I had during the autumn campaign and to be named Six Nations captain now is, is a huge privilege for me. And um, I just want to 
obviously do my family, the team and the nation proud, but obviously try and bring other leaders along with me on the journey as well. We're building towards a, a Rugby World Cup. So the more leaders we can develop during this period and leave something in the shirt during the next 18 months is, is really important for us. I think the competition has grown massively over the last few years and, and since I've been involved. We've gone now from not having televised matches to live televised matches and the coverage that we're getting from the press and, and the nation has gone through the roof. We hope the nation get behind us and you know the rest of the public too as well. So the tournament's an exciting tournament and every nation are building on it year upon year and we've spoken as a squad about campaign by campaign now how we build towards the Rugby World Cup next year. This tournament is a key feature in that so we're, we're going to take it very seriously. And realistically what do you hope to achieve in, the, in this tournament? What you've seen from us during Autumn campaign is a massive improvement in performance and that comes down to I think what we sacrifice as players and, and the hard work and dedication we put in but also the resources we have. Now we're part of the performance department in the WIU and everything that comes with that. So we're looking to build upon that and finish better than we did last year. You know, that's always obviously an aim of ours. We did, we did well last year, but let's keep and improve what we did in autumns and make sure we're in a good position at the end of the Six Nations so we can take it to the next level again moving forward. So talk to me about some of your teammates and who we should be looking out for. We spoke about how many caps there were in the autumns and how many of those now have transferred to the squad. You know, Paige Winger was an outstanding find. I think she did outstanding throughout the campaign, played some exciting brand of rugby. Look out for her. But all of those 11 and the end cap player, Ruth Lewis, who's come into the squad, have got real good prospects. And even though they, they, we had so many new caps in the autumn campaign, our performances stepped up. So... There's only one direction we're going as these girls develop and get more experience, more exposure. I can just all I can see is us getting better as a squad. You said what are the goals around the Six Nations? And again, we're really clear on again, and it's a coaching cliche, it's about building momentum. But it is, it's really important as a group that we build the momentum with the on and off field performances. And I think what you saw with the on-field performances and the training performances allowed us to have the good on-field performance, which built the momentum from a public point of view, which put these girls in the spotlight, rightly so. The same thing going into this Six Nation campaign, building the momentum off-field in the training environment, putting the work in with the girls and then putting the performances on the field, which builds momentum from the public as well. And we get that buy-in so that the girls are put under the spotlight more and exposed to the Welsh rugby public, because I think particularly the second half against the Barbarians, the Scotland performance, the, the girls showed with the strength of depth that we're creating. Some really exciting rugby players there, really and, exciting. And with the appointment of Holly Phillips, obviously won everything there probably is on the seventh circuit and yourself as, as a player, does that just show where women's rugby in Wales is going and, and particularly with your appointment? I don't know, but all, all I know from, from my perspective being involved in the programme throughout the autumn was that it's an incredibly exciting time to be involved with with Welsh rugby. I think there's some amazing talent. I think the, the best outcome from the autumn is that perhaps previously there wasn't enough competition amongst places. Now there's loads, there's loads and loads of talent and that bodes well for us building towards everything that we're building towards from a performance perspective and that is success at 2021 World Cup, Commonwealth Games, all these sorts of key flagship tournaments that exist now within the women's game that we can target as a Welsh squad, as a Welsh team and and that's exciting. That's one of the reasons why I came in and it's been brilliant to, to sort of sit and watch and be a part of the autumn with Chris and, and the rest of the team. And I think it's only boding well now for the momentum that is building behind the squad and, and the momentum that's building behind women's rugby in Wales. I couldn't quite believe the amount of support that they're getting to get 13,000, 14,000, whatever it was, at the Principality to watch you know, the women's game against the Barbarians. I think it's a, a marker of where the, 
women's games got to already and where it can still go further. And this Six Nations campaign is only going to add to that, I think, and it's an incredibly exciting time to be part of the women's game. I think in general, and in particular in a place like Wales, where rugby is the lifeblood of the country, it's even more important. Chris, with regards to selection of 34, can you just talk us through what the attributes and what you focused on when you were picking this squad? It's all about 2021, so it's building, and it's also about building the depth in the Sevens programme as well. So, again, we're doing something different, and I think it's the uniqueness of the performance department and the way we run it at the moment. It's not myself picking the squad with Geraint it's as a whole department sitting around and going okay what's the best way to drive Welsh women's rugby forward that includes the 15 the 7 strand so we look at it and we look at all sorts of other things with it you know you've training all sorts of different things attributes you're going to look at 2021 the interesting thing for me looking at 2021 is again I've looked at it very much from you know me and G have got between us like 200 games of international coaching experience at 19s 20s and 18s and so on and so forth but actually I've had to look at things differently because looking at the women's game, positions are interchangeable more. The sevens and the 15 games, the stuff I've spoken about with Ollie in terms of the skill attainment and the training and stuff, there's so much crossover that you can do. So looking at a squad for 2021 in my head and to achieve the targets around that, we're going to have to look at things differently. We're going to take some risks in terms of the squad selection, i.e. we're going to look at players in the women's game. Do you have a back row and a second row or do you have back five forwards? We're looking to build strength and depth competition in the group we're also looking at players potentially are they going to be a different position we've seen this in in the women's game that there there has that ability so you know if we've got a squad of 30 going to the world cup if we have players who can play multiple positions that allows us to adapt our game depending on weather conditions opposition looking at the potential group we have we will need that flexibility in our group so we have to start to look at the wider pool of players and get an understanding of where we are both sevens and fifteens if you came down on Sunday when we were training, you wouldn't have had a clue that there was a sevens team and a fifteens team. You would have just seen 45-plus girls in a high-performance environment training. It's really exciting. Arguably, most significant Welsh women's rugby achievement, Jack Joyce going to the Olympics. Can we get another one there this time? That's the hope. That's definitely hope. I've been speaking with Scott Forrest a lot already around putting forward a few players that we think are potentially capable of going into that GB mixer and, and performing at Olympic Games. Obviously England dominate that GB squad because of the nature of their programme, the structure of the players and where they are in, in terms of their evolution. But you know that's the whole purpose of why we're sitting here now is to challenge that status quo in every form of, the, of rugby, 15s and 7s environment, so that we are getting, it's Wales's name that is being engraved onto all the sort of silverware moving forward and equally it's our players that are getting picked in GB squads and whatever else like that. So. Sure, Jazz is an outstanding talent and you know, we hope that she keeps progressing and is another shoe-in and another pick for that GB squad, but there's hopefully another two, three, four other players that we can get in there and that's part of this performance programme at the moment and the girls are really relishing it, if I'm honest. They're stepping up. The, the intensity of the training schedules and the loading that we're asking them to take on board since the turn of the new year is ramped up double, threefold. And the response has been incredible so far, and I think it's only going to you know, reap rewards for them and for us as a collective squad come the end of it. And I hope that we see a few more Welsh women on that plane to Tokyo. There are GB camps happening from February onwards, mm. and then the aspirations from that is that we start to identify talent ID key players that can challenge. I think as we start to evolve through our programme, we start to identify key players that we think can really challenge. And equally, there'll be some surprises that come up as we start to evolve the programme. Some amazing, exciting talent. Sean mentioned one, Paige Randall, really exciting. Another girl, Becca Lachlan, 
just come out of Welsh tennis a year in, pretty raw, but unbelievable talent. Someone like Gwen Crabb, I think, could be excellent. And then you've got the obvious ones that have already been over to Australia for us. Hannah Jones, Alicia Butchers, Jazz, as you mentioned. So, And that's just a few, if I'm honest. There's some girls that are really, even in the a month and a half that I've been around working with with the team here and seeing some of the girls that they've already started to develop so it's pretty exciting as to who could be on that plane. That moment that you had in that stadium, do you think that was a turning point for your team and kind of what you want to, to, to feel and aspire to every time you play? Yeah absolutely and I think you know maybe first half the occasion got to us maybe a little bit and you know Baba's were outstanding as well, but then second half, I think there, there was that turning point in the game and where that belief shone through and that was an outstanding defensive and attacking second half by us, but those moments will live for us forever and those memories will live with us forever and those are moments we want to take forward in, into this campaign and hopefully we can create a buzz in Cardiff Arms Park and put in some really good all-round 80-minute performance. I think that's, that's a challenge for us now, this campaign and, and Italy in, in a couple of weeks' time. But hopefully we get a good crowd behind us and we can create those type of vibes in our home stadium for this campaign. And we'll hear more over the next couple of weeks on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But finally, how to make a big, strong rugby player cry. A surprise visit from his mum. You may well have seen the Cardiff Blues video over Christmas with Nick Williams's mum making a surprise visit from New Zealand, having never seen him play in the Northern Hemisphere. Cue tears all round. A few weeks on, how did it all go? It's quite, um, you know, obviously emotional and mentally brilliant, but then it's quite draining at the same time. But it's it's good to get back into normality, and you know, for my girls, my daughters, and my family to see the, the normal side of things. As much as I appreciate and always grateful for it, you know, uh, it's always good to have family over at this time of the year. So, um, all in all, it's a special time. But it's uh, it's good to getting back to what I think I do best and bashing heads. Well, you've changed forever, I'm sure. Yeah, look, it's. I never thought my mum would be uh, just just the way just the age she's getting on. Well, my brother and I spoke, and we said, "Oh, look, you know, to be fair on her, and probably not the best thing to bring her across." But Tim sorted it out with our family doctor back in New Zealand, and um, he gave her the, the the green light. So you know, I'm thankful that uh, we got to see her up in this part of the woods. Yeah, I'm sure she enjoyed every moment. Yeah, she loved it. If, uh, if anything, it was especially it was for me. It was, it was also good for my daughters to have that one-on-one time with their grandmother. Something they don't seem to have in New Zealand because she's obviously got to share the love with all the other grandchildren. So it's good for her to see them in their element. It's quite hard for her to understand their their Welsh accents, but uh, she got there in the end. She saw you on the pitch. Yeah, but look, it's a, a bit of a hamstring injury. I, I try to probably come back uh, too soon. The Dragons game, you know, during that week, so sent me back a few weeks and then <laughs> timing couldn't have been any better really. Obviously guttering that we didn't get that win against the Scarlets, but personally it was a, it was a very special night for me. Uh, you're going to be an important player for the next couple of months, especially with people like Josh Navidi and others away with the Wales squad of the Six Nations. Uh, how much added pressures on an experienced player like yourself? Pressure is different. I didn't see it as pressure. I see it as, as you know, quite a blessing to get the opportunity to go again. You know, we got a really young group of boys here, and and boys that probably don't get to play alongside each other. You know, majority of the season. So this is why teams up here, you know, have to, I guess, buy well when it comes to purchasing foreign players. You know, it's for these times. You know, when the boys are away, or Six Nations or World Cups. You know, this is where you need the boys that 
an aunt from the land to, to put their hands up and uh, help and, and guide the younger boys through. We can now run alongside the you know the younger boys this week and, and make them proud. It's only the younger boys. Uh, one of them has made quite an impression. Shane Hughes here is in the back row. Have you had uh, much of an influence on his rise to, to where he's at now? Uh, I wouldn't say influence. He's, the only thing about Shane is he's, he likes to listen, which is uh, sometimes quite hard for some of these younger blokes. They like to think they know it all sometimes. But uh, with Shane, he's, um, his humility is a big thing. You know, he likes to take it in. He appreciates when he's wrong. And he knows, regardless if he's right, he knows he still has to work on it. And, you know, it's shown with his, you know, with the way he's been playing this season. We all know he's a, he's a hard-working bloke on the field, but people don't see is what he does off the field. And guys like us that have been around the way, you know, we've, we're a ball of experience. We can only give so much out. It's about the younger boys putting their hands up and wanting to come and ask us questions. So that's it for this week's World Rugby Union podcast. More Six Nations build up next week, but until then, goodbye.